Apologies, the most confounding thing. I appear to be singing. I have sick bay for you, sir. Most unusual, so peculiar. Confirmed there no injuries. Just a daily Monday. A headache, a splinter. A left ankle sprain. It's happening again. Why are we singing? Apologies, the most confounding thing We appear to be singing Most unusual, so Strange new takes. I'm your host, Notch Carnegie, and with me, hailing the Klingons every five minutes to listen to their boy band is Emily Bowen Marler. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today, we'll be sharing a recap of the ninth episode of the second season of Strange New Worlds Subspace Rhapsody. And as usual, you can follow us on social media at Strange New Takes. Tell your friends about our podcast, please. We do like getting new, strange new listeners from all over the world. And, of course, you can give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers. Uh, if you want to help us appear just a little bit higher when people search for our Star Trek podcast to listen to. And, you know, before we go any, before we go any further, we have to warn you all, we're going to spoil this episode. So if you haven't seen Subspace Rhapsody and you don't want us to spoil any of the plot lines, you better stop this. Go watch it now and then come back. We'll probably also spoil some other Star Trek as well, although this is the first musical episode of Star Trek, so not so much to compare it to as far as Star Trek goes, but we'll see what happens. The only other singing I can remember in Star Trek is in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, and there's like Picard playing his flute. Yeah, got... Data sings. It doesn't Data sing? In, in Encounter at Farpoint, right? Yeah. And um, I feel like, oh, maybe, I don't know. He, well, he plays the violin. We have some clarinet playing. So we do have some music kind of sprinkled throughout, but but never never anything quite like this. <laughs> oh, God, no. No, no, nothing, nothing at all like this. I think the Curtailer Soul just by is for sure the only time we get like a complete song. And even that's like the doctor's like oh. mashed up version of... Uh, we yeah, have some. There's times when he's singing opera several times. Ah, uh, he has a few living opera. Witness. Mm-hmm. Not living and, witness. Not living witness. Virtuoso. Yes, and then also I'm about to sneeze. I excuse me. I think I muted it, so you didn't have to you have did. a recording of that. Um, the uh, what was the other one? Um, uh, wait. So there's one with oh oh he and Seven sing someone to watch over me. That's right. And isn't doesn't Seven also sing in the? I feel like she's a singer in the episode with the Herogen on the holodeck. Yep, yep. In the the French Resistance, I can't remember if she sings, but I think she is a singer. Right. So we may not hear her, but I mean, she can sing. But um, yeah. Anyway. Got it. Got it. Well, anyway, uh, as mm-hmm. Emily mentioned earlier, we are here to talk about Subspace Rhapsody, which is the ninth episode of the second season of Strange New Worlds. It first aired on the 3rd of August, 2023. It was written by Dana Horgan and Bill Wolkoff. It was directed by Dermot Downs. The in-universe date is 2398.3. That's the star date, which corresponds to 2259. 
Here's the episode summary from Memory Alpha. An accident with an experimental quantum probability field causes everyone on the USS Enterprise to break uncontrollably into song, but the real danger is that the field is expanding and beginning to impact other ships, allies, and enemies alike. Dot, dot, dot. We like always just said dump, dump, dump. Like, yeah, shouldn't right. you have done some singing? <laughs> I, I feel like I have to correct in the other direction. So, <laughs> anyway, well, we always start with our strange new takes. Uh, Emily, do you have a strange new take for me? Well, let's see. My strange new take is that it would be nice to have a little bit of, you know, just like not rushing from thing to thing to thing. I've had one of those weeks, you know, I was at a conference. And then, or as I guess more of a convention, it was like mm -hmm. for our denomination, our big thing in Louisville, came back from Louisville just in time to have band practice because we were having a big musical Sunday today, then had to drive up to St. Louis for a baby shower and then come back and get to church just in time for things today and then had to go to a meeting and then had to go to a birthday party. So yeah. It's just been one of those weeks. I'm sure I'm sure some of our listeners have had weeks like that too. So it's, a good it's kind bet. of nice to just sit. <laughs> so. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and let's see. I, I guess I need a strange new take for um Oh that really wasn't a strange new take. It was just the reality of my life. But you know, hey. <laughs> That's we, we just can the way sub it, it in. We can sub it in for this one. Um uh so my strange new take is sometimes it's nice to just sit. There's my, you know, so and just talk about Star Trek because that's always a good time. Um my strange new take for this episode was um, the first part of it I just was watching with the big smile on my face because I was like, this is just what is this? This is like musical Star Trek. Oh my gosh. And uh, Dietrich was watching with it at the beginning, but then we took him to bed after he just watched the first song, but he actually liked the music and was listening. We listened to the soundtrack on the way up to St. Louis. Um, and he really, he thought it was fun. So I was like, hey, you know, that's good. And I currently have, I'm the ex in my head. So if that tells you anything, I, and I did not listen to the soundtrack today, so it just popped into my head for no reason. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Do I need to tell your husband something? <laughs> I, I'm not the ex. Fuck is the ex. <laughs> uh, that's funny. That's funny. That was the uh, one song that Travis thought had a hook. He liked, yeah. you know, he's like, he kind of was humming that one when the show was over. So maybe that's why it's in my head. Totally, totally. Well, um, my strange new take is that the world seems to have forgotten that there was such a thing as boy bands before K-pop. Because <laughs> everybody online was like, oh, the Klingons are singing K-pop because they're just coordinated dancers and like singing like poppy music. And that that was like the entire 90s. 90s, like, yeah, for yeah, sure. Like, like Take That was maybe one of the earliest ones. You know, then there were yeah. like... Um, New Kids on the Block. Boy Zone, Backstreet Boys, <laughs> like... Uh, was was the one that NSYNC, Justin Timberlake's band. There were just a ton of them. And that's not even like <laughs> scratching the surface. And that's not even going into the whole girl band thing. So like this was a whole movement before K-pop ever existed. Uh, so, so there. Uh, <laughs> but I think... I, let me just say that I don't know. I don't like coming out sometimes with these strong, strange new takes right away. But I'll, I'll 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 say my apologies right away and say that it's clear who's the singers in this like the professional <laughs> singers in this hour versus who are in this cast versus those who aren't and 
I felt bad making that judgment, but it's true. But, you know, they all could at least carry a tune. Like, yes. like I felt like I, there wasn't anyone that, that just flat out couldn't sing. Like, probably they had to do some I mean, they gave Babs, like, two lines in the whole right. thing. <laughs> but everyone, I mean, the parts they had, they did a decent enough job. Because I am around people of all different kinds of singing abilities. So, mm. <laughs> anyway. But, yeah. True, true. Like I said, I was coming in strong with that one right away, so we can we can t- talk in well, a little bit more detail now. Now, yeah? now, I don't know if you're a Broadway person or not, so I love musicals, and but I'm actually, I'm very firmly in my musicals I was exposed to when I was in middle school and high school are the ones that I am the most familiar with, because then mm-hmm. I just, you know, got a job and haven't had time to pay attention to things, but, um, and like an all-consuming kind of a job, but um, my... Uh, Celia Rose Gooding's mother is um, LaShawn's, who, what, I don't know if anyone is familiar with these musicals or not, but there's a musical called Once on this Island, and she originated, like, the lead role in that. Mm-hmm. I think she may have won a Tony. She is a Tony award-winning I mean, actor. Celia Rose Gooding is a Grammy Is a Grammy-winning, yeah. So, I mean, like, it's, like, it's like, you know, but it's it, she looks like her mom, too. Like, her mom mm. has that smile, just like her. But I actually got to see her mom in um, the role of Sarah in Ragtime in Los Angeles. So that oh, was pretty fun. cool. I was like, oh, hey, I saw her mom in something. So nice. and she was awesome in that, too. But um, so she comes by her talent, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not a musicals person. I'm a theater person. I like some musicals, like very select few, like Hamilton being a very good example, mm-hmm. one that I absolutely love. But I'm not like I I have friends who would like burst in a song with Les Miserables. I'm pretty sure I've made this reference on the podcast before. And then you and Adam like literally started doing it. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm not one of those people, but uh, well, which I know that musical backwards and forwards and can hum all of the instrumental parts in between all of this. Oh, of oh I bet. Oh, I bet. So, Believe me. That's I have my met first. That was my first like musical. <laughs> so. so, so I think the, the first thing maybe to cover is the premise, right? Like, if you're mm-hmm. going to have an episode of a TV show where everyone's singing, you have to have a believable premise. And this is something that, like, when, when people's minds come to this, they think about the Buffy episode that did mm-hmm. this in the 90s. I have not watched that episode. I haven't either. I can't tell you what the premise was there. I can't tell you what the premise on Scrubs was. So Scrubs did a musical episode. It was really good. And their premise was that their one of their patients has a neurological condition where she th- interprets everything as being in a musical or song so in our episode we have ye olde subspace anomaly uh conveniently you know you can make them do whatever you want and this one makes you sing what so, it, when it was like a improbability something <laughs> i mean the name of it was just like what <laughs> yeah it, it was i mean it was it's like unobtainium right like they <laughs> totally it's very self-aware uh self-aware naming of this whole situation and yeah the improbability field so before before we get to anything else in the episode i just wanted to get your take on like did you buy into the premise like was it just good enough to like get you there or was it stupid did it distract you oh it was totally stupid but it got it was fine it was fine because you know i mean it gave us a premise I totally go into things suspending my disbelief because if you aren't going to suspend your disbelief, how can you enjoy anything when you're watching 
movies and television I, kind I, of. I will say that there is a little. There, there are times when we're having to suspend a little extra disbelief, like, like the lizard the kids, like the lizard kids with Janeway in Paris. Oh, yeah. oh, well, that was a little ridiculous. Yeah, no, I wasn't. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Well, and like, I was where say do the, you fall on that with this one? Uh, well, so I would say, like the singing thing, you know. It was that was fine. I will say it is a little interesting that it also would, you know, all of a sudden they would hear like the opening chords for the song. <laughs> like, so that was when I was like, really? So it does that too? <laughs> just like I thought it was really funny when they just start uh, when Spock is singing like that first song. He's like, why am I singing? You know, that was funny. Um, but then a little bit later when it's like they'd hear the music and they'd be like, oh, it's time for another song. It just, but it made me laugh. So, you know, it was, I think mm-hmm. I had it, I was totally buying it for the first part, kind of in the middle. I was like, what is happening? This is kind of dumb, but I bet the cast is having so much fun that I'm just going to go along for the ride. And then I started to like it again, you know, so I kind of, I think it kind of took, had some hills and valleys for me. So uh, I will say that I'm a little grumpy at times, but this was just just good enough. The premise that it got me along for the ride, like there I did not, it, I did not chafe on it at all. Um, it was like great. You you quickly explained to us it right. was not like too much. It gave us just enough tension in the right moments where like I was like, oh no, the Klingons, uh, you know. <laughs> And so it wasn't like too easy, too difficult, too ridiculous. It was just fine for me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the crew dealt with it in just the proper amount of seriousness where it mm-hmm. didn't seem like it was like too self-referential either. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it worked. I think that part worked. The other thing that happens in this is we get James Kirk back on the ship. <laughs> that's probably the part that stretched my believability the most. <laughs> Yeah, he's just always there uh, this entire season. And so he's shadowing number one to learn how to be a first officer, which, hey, that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, And, And, you know, this also shows me that they like Paul Wesley. Like if they didn't like him, like, you know what I mean? Or not, you know what I mean? Like if he wasn't, if he didn't have a good fit, I don't They it would be very Mm -hmm. easy for them to not write these Kirk episodes you know or having kirk feature in them so i also think it just there must be other you know just must really Mm -hmm. gel well when he's there so yeah so the way i would put it is that i like paul wesley and what he's doing i have no desire to see bones montgomery scott yeah we can stop with Chekhov, sulu like please no Mm -hmm. i I don't need it like even Kirk, like if we put him to bed for a few episodes, like mm-hmm. great, goodbye, see ya. Is he Have in a the nice next episode? Few seasons, hundred. I mean, I would guess probably. Yeah, I can't remember if I saw him in the preview or not. I didn't watch the preview, but I mean, okay. I would. I think it's a pretty good bet at this point. Mm, <laughs> they, they fit him for the costume, so they got to use it, right? <laughs> uh, and so yeah, it's. I think I think I, I said this last week. I, I don't want to see Bones. Like people are like, oh, with with Mabenga getting like into trouble, like will Bones be coming in to replace him? And I'm just like, no, please no. I don't need that. Let's mm-hmm. just let's just have our cast have their fun. Bones had his fun like 60 years ago. It's mm-hmm. fun. But so now I think the next thing. To, so I think it doesn't really make sense to talk about this in the story order. I think mm-hmm. let's 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 talk about number one the plot points and then we can maybe end with some of the discussion of the music itself. Okay. 
So I think what I appreciated was that this wasn't an episode that was just ridiculous on its own, that they resolved a lot of really important plot themes mm -hmm. through the music. Well, and I mean, there was a lot of deep character development too. And, you know, they didn't do one person they never do deep character development on would be Erica <laughs> or take us, but they did it. They did it on the others, which is, I think partly why. So I will say like Travis mentioned that he didn't think a lot of the songs had a hook except for that one. He liked I'm the ex. Um, but then the more we listened to it, the more we liked him. But I think it's because all of the lyrics were really intricate because they were like fleshing out all of these things. Like it was trying mm -hmm. to tell a whole lot through the lyrics. Um, and so I think that kind of hampered the ability for the songs to have that kind of hook. I know you said we weren't going to talk about the music, but I just, I just was thinking of that in, in um, how they use the musical to actually do character development and have, you know, I mean, there, it wasn't like, it's not a throwaway episode. Mm -hmm. um, they made, they told stories in this episode that make it an important episode for this season, yeah. continued arcs that were happening throughout the season. And I appreciated that. Yeah, I, 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 I like that. I just find it a little awkward for people who really hate musicals. And there are people <laughs> out there who really do. Like, they just can't stand the scene, their favorite character yeah. singing and dancing. And so if they miss this episode, they're going to miss out on a lot of really important stuff. So picking up on that, one of them is Laan's, like, whole vulnerability and her ability to tell Kirk how she feels, which I think led to some really beautiful singing from Christina Chong, of course, but also it led to her telling Kirk how she feels. That was heartbreaking. And like, wow, super brave too. When I was watching that, I was like, that is brave. Like all of the stuff she's just laying out there. I don't know that I would have been that brave with someone if I didn't know. She, and she didn't do it like in a like a gooey way either. She mm -hmm. was just like, here's here's the situation, man, and mm -hmm. here's how I feel. I thought it was powerful. I I actually really appreciated that scene. And I thought the way he responded, I mean, while obviously it was heartbreaking because, you know, it was, you know, she he kind of had to close the door on that. But um, but he was kind about it. And it wasn't um, so. Anyway, I thought it was. An, I thought it was a little bit of a nice character development for Kirk. Um, also, so I was thinking back to um, what would episode a couple of a couple weeks ago the um, Uhura episode um, when he went to talk to he was sitting at the bar and was going to talk to her and she's like. I don't want to be hit on or whatever, you know, she just kind of shoots him down and he's like, Oh, is that what you thought I was doing? Like he really isn't being womanizing. People want to put that on Kirk every time they see Kirk, but that's not really how he's been interacting, you know, anyway. I mean, Oh, you still owe me that drink. Oh, I guess we're paired up again. I mean, like a little bit. Yeah. But he I, wasn't doing that to Uhura. I didn't, I didn't feel like he was no, doing no. that so much with Uhura. That's fair. I just yeah. think the man's a natural flirt. And like, it well, comes oh, through. well, yeah, he's charismatic. I mean, that's kind of the way they wrote the character. Um, don't you think? I mean, I'll say that like, it's conflating charisma with hitting on people is can get us into some trouble, but you know i don't so no no it's it's all good uh i think i think, I think the man that's just what i'm saying i think that's why people think kirk if you go back and watch all of tos which i don't think you have have you seen all of no TOS? i have not kirk is not quite the womanizer that people 
people paint him to be. They do that more in one third season when it, which just isn't as good. Um, but it doesn't like, I expected to see like a different woman every, not really, but just the way people talked about it made me think he was going to have a different woman every episode or, you know, like just kind of, you know, flying through space and having girlfriends all over the place. That's actually not the way it was. Um, and so, uh, I don't know. So I just didn't see everything as him trying to pick pe- pick up people. Some people are just kind of natural flirts. Um, and and I mean, and I think that can be a little bit of charisma. People are just kind of drawn to them or want to, you know, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, Laon certainly was. And um, it, it was heartbreaking. But at the end, she gets to kind of say like, hey, I'll take some more chances in the future. Like, mm-hmm. it felt good. So that there was very real development in her character, mm-hmm. which I think I, I made the point early in the season that like I felt like she was a little bit one note. And I think this made a huge difference. Oh, yeah. Um, well, and I think her, even though, you know, her telling him didn't have the result that maybe she had hoped for, it also wasn't utter devastation which makes it easier for her to maybe take that chance with someone else in the future or to, you know, like, like it just, that's why, that's why I, 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 and I, I appreciated his kindness because he could have made this a really awful thing for her. And he didn't. Did you go back and watch the wrath of Khan scene between him and Carol Marcus? I did not. Cause so now he reveals Carol right. like bombshell Carol Marcus and is pregnant presumably with David. Yes. Um so it's basically very similar to the discussion that Beverly and Picard had in Picard season three, where Carol Marcus is like, I didn't want him gallivanting around the galaxy with you. I wanted him to have a normal life. Except didn't he know it's not the same in that he knew, didn't he know about David? Yes, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, yeah, yeah. To, to set the scene. Right. Because uh, the most important thing in that one is, did Kirk know about David? And it's unclear. And I, I, I will, I will is go so unclear f- in The Wrath of Khan? Yeah, I, I'll say it's not. To me, I had always interpreted it as, as Kirk just never knew. But if you go back and closely watch the lines, I don't think we're at a huge canon conundrum here. I think it's easily explained that, like, he just. And Kirk says, like, he begins the scene by saying, I did what you wanted me to do and stayed away. So in, in many ways, yeah. you could, you could like, interpret it as, like, yeah, it's... I think he knew about him. Yeah. I so, mean, that's, that was the feeling I had. I didn't, I didn't feel like it was a bombshell for him like it was a bombshell for Picard. So <laughs> we could easily have a situation where Laan and him do, like, have something in the future for a little bit. Like, they'll break up, of course, because TOS, but, <laughs> uh, you know... So yeah. we this story might not be over. Yeah. Is all I'm saying. True. That's true. Uh speaking of over, uh Chapel and Spock. Yeah, that that seem abrupt to you. Did you uh, think clearly you, you have quickly? opinions. Well, I don't know. It just seemed I mean I have opinions as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought it was like very fast. Yeah. And kind of I didn't they didn't bring me along for the ride on that one. Right. Right. It's like I don't know, because I was trying to think so that I watched 
I watched um, episode eight and episode nine very close together. I watched, okay. I mean, I didn't watch them the same day, but I watched episode eight on Wednesday night and I watched episode nine on Thursday night. So um, I was trying to remember, but, and they're just so different. <laughs> those episodes. So it was like whiplash watching those two episodes back to back. But um, I was trying to think about, I mean, she wanted space from him, but I never got the feeling that it was because there was something I thought it was just because she's just dealing with stuff, but I don't know if she, I, I don't know. I just dealing with, with the trauma of, of, you know, flashbacks from the war and everything, not, you know, Oh, I can't deal with this trauma because I have this terrible boyfriend who just can't understand. Anyway, I don't know. It just seems I mean, odd. I think it's a classic case of like slightly codependent dude, um, you know, having a partner who's got a career and has other interests. So, I think I think I can see why it all happened, and that's why I said I don't think they brought me along for the ride. I think I think what's happened is that Boimler number one puts it in Chapel's mind that like, that's hey, true. the history books don't include you. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you again? <laughs> he true. doesn't say that, but uh, basically, so he's he's bringing that into the picture, and then we see also that she really cares about this fellowship and we also know from her past that she doesn't let people get close and people yeah. don't like you know we always in our in our romantic hearts or whatever want like people like our characters on tv always change and stuff but like you know it's only been like a couple of months like she hasn't had a, like she's not gonna like change her entire career because this dude like you know did whatever like fell for her or whatever see i feel like chapel was the one that fell for spock first though like, so that's mm. what is feeling a little strange to me is that I feel like this started with chapel mm. um, and that they were just, but that they were trying to do it in a way that didn't portray chapel the way she's portrayed in TOS. Cause it's just unfortunate the way they have her written in TOS. Cause people didn't know. Well, how to even women. here, even here they give her the agency, right? Like she ends it. She kind of becomes the badass mm -hmm. who's like, and, and if that means that we're over, like she says it in the song, right? Like if we're mm -hmm. over, then that's it. We're over. And Spock is like, uh, which is very mean, like telling mm -hmm. him that you're breaking up in front of the whole like cafeteria. Like it was the on. anomaly that made her do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they did establish that even with Pike, like, you know, that was funny. The that was very part. funny. See, <laughs> it was very funny. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this translates into what happens in TOS. Like, mm -hmm. I, I can see that this is like a correction where they're giving Chapel like the agency, but at the same time, it's kind of like, at the, that point, it just feels mean that she's still chasing after him, after breaking. Right. Yeah, it just, I don't know. It just seems. <laughs> yeah. Well, great song, though. Um, anyway, we also get uh, a bit of stuff with Una where she is basically like becoming like expressing how she you have to like be vulnerable tell your crew, like you have to connect with your crew and connect with your own truth uh and I like that like I, I thought that was that was like real growth for her and kind of mm -hmm. cool how she's like guiding Kirk into that mm -hmm. yeah yeah I thought that was I thought that was cool yeah and then finally we have uh, the Pike and Captain Battelle thing, <laughs> which, which is funny. <laughs> yeah, which again, uh, seeing how characters don't change, you know, they dealt with this whole like thing. And was it the first or the second episode? I can't remember. This the second episode 
where Patel is accusing Pike of all warning to like leave and he needs a little talk from Una to be like, you need to like recognize what's good for you and do yeah. what's right. And here again, he's not quite doing that. So it takes time for people to adjust. Um, the, the only thing I'll point out here is that they're, they're continuing to play significant hints that Captain Bertel is not long for this world. Um, I know I was not appreciating that. Like I really, when that happened, I turned to Travis and said, they're totally going to kill her off next episode. And that makes well, me mad. They, <clears throat> let me, let me, let me take the other side here. Cause I actually went on the, 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 the side you're on a few weeks ago. Uh, but they're implying it so heavily that maybe they're going to subvert our expectations and keep maybe. her alive. Maybe. I, I mean, I hope, I hope because, um, Oh my gosh, sorry. I'm getting all of these inv invites that are popping up and making noise on my computer. <laughs> I can't hear anything, so it's good. Okay, that's good. Sorry, now you all know it's happening. But it's like, I'm like, why do these keep popping up? I don't know. It's not even for me. It's like for Travis. Anyway, um, but yeah, I just, I, I, sometimes when they do those tropey things, I'm just like, come on, be better than that. Like you all are better than that and you can write better than that. So please just... You know, do it. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. We'll see. Well, we'll see if the Cayuga makes it out of... I, I don't know. It might be one of those things where her entire crew is dead and she's left living. <laughs> like uh, like Decker. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't remember his first name. Maybe. Commodore Decker, right? Commodore Decker. Yeah, exactly. From the, de from the Doomsday Machine. Well, maybe we will have a situation where Pike has to like take on like a super Patel as like Gary Mitchell style in one of the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> that will be the, the end of it. Uh, uh, she just wants revenge. But it was, I just thought it was so funny when she's like, apologies, I appear to be rhyming and singing. <laughs> I just thought that was really funny. No, and, that was great. Anson Mount singing like he's, he's, I just, I told Travis, I'm like, he sounds like he's trying to be a rock star or something. Like every time he's saying it was that gravelly kind of, anyway, mm -hmm, it just made me laugh. Mm -hmm. So, all right, let's let's now let's jump into the songs. I think we've we've basically done enough about the plot. I don't think we need to get into the science of it all. Uh, they break the subspace improbability field at the end of the episode. Great, and it ends in a crescendo with a grand finale. With a grand finale, um, I thought that the music was decent. I won't say yeah. it was like amazing, but yeah. it wasn't like horrible. Yeah, and no, I would agree. It was made by two members of the band Letters to Cleo, uh, Tom Polche and Kay Hanley. It's written by them. And I thought, as I mentioned before, I think the cast's quality of singing <laughs> varied hugely. And they needed a bit of autotune through the whole thing. I think you, <laughs> you heard that as well. But I'm curious, like... Maybe we don't need to like spend too much time on with songs we don't like or whatever. Like if there's something, but are there some songs that stick out to you as ones that you particularly enjoyed or like wanted to call out? I actually had a lot of fun watching. Um, I don't know the actor's name, but um, Sam Kirk dancing during "I'm Ready." <laughs> I just thought he was so much fun to watch. I don't know what it was about him, but every time he was on camera, I was like, he just looks like, he. I don't know. It was just the way he was moving. I liked watching him. Um, and that one was kind of fun. It just looked like like they were having a good time with it. I liked the I'm the ex 
I liked the way it dropped down, so it kind of got to utilize. Ethan Peck has kind of a nice deep voice, so that kind of mm-hmm. got to utilize that resonance. Um, and I mean, I, I was a little so the lyrics on "Keep Us Connected." I mean, okay, Celia has an amazing voice, mm-hmm. and I and I love that stuff when you start it. You know, you get to hear people sing something down in a lower octave, and then they jump the octave, and it's just amazing and powerful. I love. I mean, she totally like shown during that i find it interesting that her the, one of the lines was it's always fix this and save you and i just found that to be an interesting i just found that interesting i didn't quite understand what that meant like she feels like her whole life is fix this and save you who is you that she's supposed to be saving and Most i don't know ship, i maybe? just yeah it just seemed but but that's not how i've perceived her character necessarily. Mm. Um, anyway, I just, I found that interesting. I can understand the feeling like, like she's alone and you know, the, she finally felt a really close connection with Hemmer and then Hemmer died, you know, so, and her, her family has died. And so I, I can, I understand the, the feelings of loneliness and, and probably feeling like, well, maybe it's better off that I'm just doing things alone because the people that mean something to me, I'll end up dying. Right. So I can understand that, but that's why I didn't understand the, I just, those two lines in the song just didn't make sense to me. Mm, Got it. Yeah. I I think that song, I think has Celia Rose Gooding is the most talented singer there. And it's very clear. Um, I think for me, the ones that I really liked were connect to your truth and how would that feel? You know, they're back to back the ones with, Una and Kirk, which I just thought was like a fun little like Rogers and Hammerstein style, mm-hmm. like, you know, little happy song with like dancing. And then how would that feel? I mean, that really hit me like a ton of bricks, like, yeah, uh, on like singing about her uh, unrequited love and all of that. Like, yeah. that was that was really powerful stuff. And she's such a great singer, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, she is. And so I really, really like that piece. And I think it was kind of the almost like a showstopper. I think that one was like, if it's a stage show, like you'd get like a 10 minutes of like applause before the show could go on. Clearly the hardest songs in the whole episode were given to the two best singers in the, because they were both, they were both difficult songs to sing too. They weren't, they weren't easy. Like just the way they jumped in range and yeah, Mm -hmm. they were demanding songs. Um, I think private conversation, I really enjoyed because it was funny. It was Uh, funny. (laughs) And so, so that was pretty good. And um, I think everybody enjoyed the Klingon boy band a little more than I did. And that might be because I was like really hopped up on like pain medication when I watched it. The first yeah, I'm time. watching your cast here. Not that you wanted to, that brought up on the podcast, <laughs> but I just yeah, see that but, you're injured. But the first time I watched it, I was just like out of it. And maybe that's why it wasn't as much of a shock to me as, as when it like, <laughs> and I, I wish it had gone on for like a couple more minutes, like or like the Klingon part, thirty seconds more, something. Yeah, just let us it like is enjoy. Really short. Yeah, it's super short, and then they go back to the the end medley. Um, and so yeah, I thought I laughed out loud. I thought it was funny, and it had um, Bruce Horek was the Klingon. Yeah, the, gen- well, the Klingon general. So that's kind of fun. Formerly of Hammer, the actor formerly of Hammer. Um, 
prop actor to play yet another role. So yeah. it's pretty neat. Uh, Sam Kirk, by the way, played by Dan Janot, who also does a bunch of Hall- Hallmark movies. Like the top results for his name when you read uh, <laughs> about him, but that he's he's basically doing all these like cheesy Hallmark romances. It's pretty funny. Nice, nice. Also, he looks nothing like Sam Kirk in his like normal photographs. I know it's true. The mustache really kind of. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Throws you off. <clears throat> yeah, he's 41. No he's idea. He's 41, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knew? Who knew? Well, um, I don't, I don't know if there's. Is there more stuff we want to say about the songs? I mean, like a lot of, lot of praise online for um, "I'm Ready" by Just Bush for Christine, mm-hmm. Blaine, Christine Chapel. You mentioned Ethan Peck's song "I'm the X" as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Can I say I was not feeling the whole um, anti-gravity part where they were floating like that was weird in the Keeping Secret song. I was like, what's happening? (laughs) I don't understand. Like that was actually what really stretched my credulity. (laughs) Like I can I can accept that you all are are singing your feelings because of this anomaly. But why did you all of a sudden just float? <laughs> this show are turning off the gravity, but yeah, it's like, it's a little much. And I, they Does also, she turn off the gravity. Yeah. That's why she picks up the pad. She actually like hits a button that says like gravity disabled and whatever. Oh, just because they wanted to float in the air for a little bit. She thought it would be, I mean, but in character, it makes sense. Right. Una is the most like wanted to be an actress, like wanted, like loves Gilbert and Sullivan. Like, she... I guess that's true. It's uh, what I think is criminal is that they didn't have Rebecca Roman sing "I'm a model of a ma- modern major general" right? or something like that. Like that is <laughs> absolutely criminal that they didn't have her do a version of that song. Oh um, my gosh! And yeah, I think I think summing up, I think it just seems like the cast had a good time. I'm glad that they did it, of course. Um, so I heard two things. Mm-hmm. One was that. Um, the Klingon scene was controversial for those who were part of production as well. Like some people loved it and some people did not love it. And it was just, that's why they just did it short. They didn't make it very long because they weren't sure how well it's going to go over. And I remember I was um, on a board somewhere and they were talking about, they're like, it should have been like death metal or something for the Klingons. You know, it felt weird. This is, this is the thing is like, Everyone was like, oh, it should be opera. We've seen Klingons do opera before. And that's the point. You have. They love right. singing on their ships. Like, it wouldn't be a great dishonor if it was something that's, like, hardcore and intense. Right. It's only a great dishonor that it's, like, this K-pop. Tra- Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so in, in, well, see, in the universe, is, it makes sense. That is fitting for people to have said the Klingons are doing K-pop since they're Klingons with the exactly, K. Exactly, exactly. You know? um, yeah, I, I, I don't have such, like... I think I think it's more. I think the credulity is more challenged by the fact that the Klingon ships were doing pirouettes like the Enterprise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if yeah. you want, if you want to take a quibble, like quibble yeah. with that. The other thing that I just read, and I do not know that I believe this. So someone made the claim, and again, I, I don't read that many articles about stuff because I tend to think a lot of it's just garbage, like about like episodes or whatever, you know, whatever. They don't actually reveal anything to me. I'll watch the ready room and that's about all I do for the behind the scenes stuff. But um, there was someone that made the claim that actually the only reason this happened was because uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda didn't return the call from someone on Picard because they wanted to do a Picard, a Picard musical. I'm sorry, 
how on earth would this have worked with Picard? Like this I, lower I mean, decks this? or strange new worlds are maybe the only ones that you could have a musical with. Like Picard was entirely too serious. Like there was no way they could take a diversion. But who said for an this? Episode. This this sounds like hard to believe. To be honest, I, that's why I'm telling you. I don't think it's true. I need to figure out who it was that said it. But I was yeah. Like, I, I don't believe it at all. To be honest with you, like that yeah. sounds a little too much. Um, no, I I mean again, I'm just glad that they're they're pushing the the boundaries of strange new worlds. I think we've needed this in a Star Trek where they they did something crazy, and I like it. I even like cards on the table. I didn't like a lot of the songs, and that's okay. Like it's it's fine. Like it's okay to not like some things as long as you like other things. Um, I think the only problem is when most of the stuff is bad or whatever, uh, or or. Yeah. Anyway, point is, I, I, everyone had well, it seemed like they're having a great time, and there are people online who I think they fall into two camps. One is the guys who are like, "This sucks. It's awful. I hate it. Why did they do this?" And that those guys, I, I kind of get mad at. And then there are the other people who are like, "Yeah, I couldn't watch this, but that I'm glad other people are liking it." And that second group, I'll just say, like, people need to stop getting on their backs. Like, it's okay for people not to like this episode as much as you did. It's the, that's the story of Star Trek. I mean, everyone, ha someone's most hated episode is another person's favorite episode and vice versa. <laughs> like, it's just the reality. I'm just going to zip, put, like, virtually zipper my mouth before I say something bad about something. <laughs> say it. No, I'm not going to. I've already, to well, I've already made these little cracks at another Star Trek series. Uh, and so I don't need to. I don't need to again. What See, about TOS? How you don't like TOS? There we go. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, TOS. Sorry, I'm. I am the same. Like, so people who love TOS will probably hate our podcast because I don't know that any of us are big TOS fans. Bill. Bill is. Bill is. Bill genu is. Genuinely. Genuinely. Yes, Most genuinely. of us were not. That was not our first Star Trek. I don't know if it was Bill's I, I, first Star Trek. <laughs> he's but. not that old. No, no, but some people still watch it as they were kids. Like, uh, oh, I will say, I actually, you know, it's, I guess technically TOS would have been my first Star Trek because my mom watched it. Uh -huh. So it was on sometimes. And I saw the, the original series, or I saw the movies before I ever saw Next Generation. So, um, so in that sense, it would be my first Star Trek. But as far as me, like, really being involved and wanting to watch every single Star Trek thing, that did not start with TOS. It started with Next Generation. So yeah. um, anyway, but no, I, I, I have I have a really hard time watching uh, TOS and I the things that people get really precious about with TOS and wanting to make things line up like things have to be a certain way with Strange New Worlds because it's a prequel to TOS. I don't I don't care about that stuff. I don't need it to line up in that same way because it's I just I just think yeah. that I think it was not written with the thought that there would ever be Star Trek ever again after that show was over. Like there was, they did not have any intentionality when they wrote that show about it being this thing that would exist decades into the future. And so um, that, so they, they just, they weren't thoughtful with some of the storylines that they did and some of the, you know, anyway. And, and so we can't, we can't be married to it in that same way because that wasn't the intention. Now that they're doing Star Trek, a lot more it makes more sense to kind of stick to certain things as far as canon goes because they're recognizing that they are working within an established world and that just wasn't the case with tos so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
I mean, my, I've, I've stated my most controversial opinion on the podcast, which is that if Strange New Worlds completely rewrote the timeline to for TOS, I would be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it would be it would be catastrophic for the fan base, and I think it would... So I don't think it's ever going to happen. Uh, and, like, I mean, there's genuine, like, stuff like Wrath of Khan, which, I, again, one of the greatest Star Trek movies ever. You, mm-hmm. can, I would hate for that to be excluded from the canon. Um, but at the same time, TOS, like Strange New Worlds is doing such a wonderful job right now. And to, I just hate that they're constrained by like what happens to Pike in that show or what happens to right. Chapel or what happens right. exactly. to, you know, like, it's mm-hmm. just, uh, yeah. So yeah, maybe we'll get an entire season of trials and tribulations type episodes where they just insert La'an into the background of TOS episodes. Well, I mean, really, the only reason they did what they did to Pike is because the actor who played Pike wasn't available for them to have, like, they couldn't have him. They had to have another actor play him. He hadn't died yet, but he had been, there was, I think he'd had a stroke or so. I can't remember what it was, but he had some major medical thing that happened and he died not that long after, um, maybe a year or two after, but um, like he wasn't available. And so they put some other actor in. And had to obscure him because clearly the actor that originally played Pike was in the menagerie because they were using the footage from the cage. And so they had to have him be in some accident where you couldn't see what he looked like. That's the whole, that was why they did it. It's not because they really had deep thoughts about what they wanted to happen to Pike, you know? <clears throat> yeah, maybe they'll do something where like there's a Strange New Worlds episode that's like the side episode to uh, the menagerie where they basically show that like, Hey, Pike's just pretending to still be hurt. He was like totally fixed like months ago, but there's like some like alien race that needs what happens in the menagerie to happen. So like they'll totally <laughs> retcon the whole thing. There you go. And that then okay with me. then Pike and Battle will go and go and live on an island somewhere. There you go. There you go. Uh, okay, I found who it was. Um, during a recent sit down with TV Line, both Goldsman and show, co-showrunner Henry Alonzo Meyer shared insights about their respective Star Trek series, including the aborted plans for a Picard musical. While specifics were not declo- disclosed, they hinted that the spark for the idea might have been ignited during Picard season two. The series had featured Patrick Stewart's wife, the talented singer Susie O'Dell, uh, Sunny Ozell, in a musical cameo and a memorable scene where Alison Pill's character Agnes Jurati sang under the influence of the Borg Queen. Anyway, so then it said the duo went on to recount an amusing incident involving Hamilton creator Lin-Manuel Miranda, who could have potentially saved the Picard musical. Michael Chabon, one of their colleagues, who casually mentioned knowing Miranda and excited Goldsman, urged Chabon to contact Miranda immediately. However, the call was never returned, leading to the unfortunate demise of the Picard musical. Hmm. So. <clears throat> yeah, I am glad they didn't do a musical Picard. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... And so they did a TNG reunion. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, only thing that left is left for us to do, Emily, is to stick our necks out and give this episode a rating. Um, I'm still undecided, to be honest. Do you know what you're doing? I am a little undecided as well. So when I... My, I, I see, this, it's unfortunate that I never have time to do rewatches. Like, I really generally only have time to watch this episode one time before we do this. Which is not very good podcasting for me. Yeah, I should watch it more than once. But, you know, this is what happens. So, when I first finished it, I was like, that was fun. I enjoyed watching it. There were some good moments in it. The cast looked like they were having so much fun. 
So like there was an episode last season that I enjoyed more because of how much fun the cast seemed to be having than I did actually enjoy the episode. Mm -hmm. And I think I gave that one a 3.5. But I think I maybe liked this one a little more. I think I liked the storyline more in this one than I did in that. And I'm talking about the fairy tale Mm -hmm. episode last year. I had problems with how they handled some of the ending of that story with um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, Mbenga's daughter. But... um, so I think maybe I will give this. Oh, it's so hard. I'm going to go with a six and a half because I think for me, it doesn't hit the um, rewatchability mark for me. Yeah. Uh, I think for me, it's like I I like the episode and what they try to do. I like some of the music, but not all of it. And so, but it's not one that I'm going to be like, Oh my god, I can't go wait to go watch it. In fact, I'll probably yeah. like on my rewatch be like, is there any way I can skip this one? <laughs> so. Yeah. I see, I think I'm probably I think probably it was which now did I enjoy this episode more than I enjoyed the first episode of the season? So I'm trying to decide what was my least favorite episode of the season. I think I maybe enjoyed this more than the first episode. I don't know. I'm just gonna give it a 3.75. All right. All right. There we go. There we go. Wonderful. Well, Emily, I'm glad you were here to talk about the musical. I, I, when I saw that we had a musical episode, I knew we had to have you on to discuss it. So I'm glad we could make that happen. Yeah, I am too. Thanks, Notch. I'm glad we were able to make this work at our not usual time. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. Adam, Bill, and Rudy, I hope whatever it is y'all are doing, I hope it's a great time. Uh, and thank you to the listener for making us a part of your week as well. And thank you to Guha for recording our theme music. And special thanks this week to whoever made the gravity on the Enterprise accessible through a pad. Like, that <laughs> seems like something that should be a little bit more locked down. But I would think so. <laughs> who knows? Give us a nice visual. So there we go. All right, everybody. <laughs> see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.